for your presence. And Lord, we thank you today that we're a people that know what it took to allow our access to your presence, Lord. Lord, that it rises in our heart, Father God, every time we use that name, Lord God, that we have access, immediate access, Father God, right into your presence. And Lord, we are a people today who are awake to righteousness, Lord, that we're awake to it, Lord God, that we're not, we're not strangers to that topic, Lord God, but we know what it is that we've received in Christ Jesus, Lord God, right standing with you, Lord God, and a right to come right into your very presence, Lord. And Lord, that we again as a people begin to rise up in that truth and revelation like never before, Father, because in this day and age, Lord, in this day and age, we need to be those people going out with that ministry of righteousness, Lord God, ministry of reconciliation, Lord God, ministry, Father God, are demonstrating and being examples of what it is to walk with the Lord and to walk close with Him and to know His presence. Lord, again, we speak out over this congregation, Father, revival. We thank you, Father God, for the sustained presence and power of God that results in transformation, Lord God, in this house, Father, in this place, among this congregation today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Get excited. I believe the Lord wants to minister among us today, even as we as we just get around the word today. He wants to touch hearts and lives. And he's always, always bringing transformation. Amen. Always, always wants to see hearts changed, lives uh, adjusted. Thank you, team. Why don't we give the team a hand clap as they come down again. They do work so very hard every week to bring that uh, worship uh, for us. Hallelujah. Well, I was getting ready to invite Jess up, actually, to uh, <laughs> bring the... Pastor Jess, I'm sorry about that, but I just, I don't know, I just thought that you were supposed to be up here at every point. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, uh, we were praying there uh, earlier on. We just got that, that really special uh, word that came thro uh, through that just really synchronised and and uh, Pastor Jess was just uh, praying and said that she got that word, uh, oh, was it yesterday or you got that word? This morning, yeah. The word was divinely positioned. You know, and it was really, it was just like a, uh, such a, an overview of this message that um, the Lord's just laid on my heart. And as we sort of move into this series, that we ought to be a people that are divinely positioned. Amen. That we know what our position is and that we actually take advantage of the position that God's given us. And every sense of the word, amen? Every sense of the word. You know, the, the beautiful thing about the word of God is that we're, we are all able to go and read it and remind ourselves of our God-given identity. And we have a God-given identity, each and every single one of us, that we need to become accustomed to. Uh, going to the word of God is a, a whole lot like going to a mirror, you know. You know, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, you know, not everybody walks and lives out their Christian life with a revelation of who they are in Christ as far as, you know, right standing with him goes. They don't walk with that revelation of being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And they're too busy looking at themselves, their own failings, their own little weaknesses, things that they haven't gotten quite right. And we've sung about it this morning as well. And, and, uh, and it's true. But, you know, we either see ourselves as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus or we're just sinners barely saved by grace. 
I don't know which one. Uh, you know, you, you, you're kind of leaning toward here uh, 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 this morning, but I hope by the time we finish that you're leaning more toward on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And um, we could survey the church and find many who would lean one way or maybe see themselves the other way. But one is a foundation for a, an effective prayer life. And that's what we've got to get a hold of. If we want to have an effective prayer life, we need to get a hold of who and what we have in Christ Jesus concerning righteousness. Who wants answered prayer? You know, I don't want my prayers banging off the ceiling, you know, just bouncing, you know, because, because I haven't kind of positioned myself divinely and realised just where God it is, you know, where it is that God has placed me. We are God's workmanship. He has built us in Christ to be sons and daughters of God. It's up to us to grow and mature in that and that understanding and that relationship, certainly up to us, the onus is upon us to renew our minds and to grow in their grace and, and, and grow in faith and glory. But having his heart and seeing as the Father sees is a goal for us all. Amen. And in the book of James, we see the word of God is likened to that mirror. You know the you know, the big long tall mirrors, you know, sometimes you want to go and just check that you're, you know, appropriately attired, as uh, Rosemary and I call it. And, uh, and she'll say, you know, or take a selfie, you know, try and get that selfie or take a picture. I'm going to just have a quick little look, make sure, you know, usually for that big occasion and, uh, and, and make sure that you're properly attired. But, the, you know, the book of James does say that the word of God is like a mirror. And uh, where we go and check ourselves out, you know. And, uh, and of course, we're then expected to make any unnecessary adjustments. And I want to talk about those necessary adjustments because sometimes we do go to the Word and we recognise there's corrections we need to make. Little adjustments. Little adjustment maybe in our love walk, you know. Little adjustment in the way that we're viewing things and seeing things. Is it in line with God's Word or whether we're just doing our own thing? And, of course, make those adjustments as necessary. Not forgetting who we are as we live our lives and how we are to look according to the word of God. You know, I don't want to go by my feelings. And the, you know, the, the message that I've heard over the years is that we're not called to go by our feelings, you know, how I feel, but rather what the word of God says. I'm only moved by the word of God, you know, was a, was a teaching we sat under. And it was a good word. It kept us on the straight and narrow, you know, that, that great teaching. Uh, that we've sat under and come up under. First Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 9 says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's how we look, according to the mirror of God's word. When was the last time you woke up and said to yourself, I'm a part of a royal priesthood, praise the Lord. When was the, you know, the last time you woke up and thought that? Most times I wake up and think, where's the coffee, you know? I'm not like you, you know, we're going to get that coffee and then I'll get my thoughts right, you know, once I've had that coffee and, and kick-started kick my day. But this royal priesthood that Peter speaks of is, is a calling of God upon your life and upon mine. You may never, ever 
stand at the front of a church with a back to front, front collar on or, or, or stand in a pulpit to preach or sit in the front row looking all important. Okay, you may never get to do that. But let's make no mistake, if you're saved and born again today, you are a priest. Amen? And we have a high priest that we serve under, and his name is Jesus. And your God-given role is to show forth the praises of him. If, when, if you're in a situation that that's not happening, you need to adjust. Because we need to be showing forth the praises of him. Amen. Who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Who's ready for some adjustment already? You know, you look at your situation, you look at your circumstances and you ask the question, am I showing forth the praises of him at the moment? Well, I'll let you answer that. And I'm the last one that should be a judge of that as well, okay? But we need to judge ourselves, amen? That's what we're called to in the Christian church, to judge ourselves, not to judge others. I had a Bible college lecturer used to say, if you, if you ever point your finger at someone, there's three pointing back at you, you know. So let's just withhold from judgment and looking at what others are doing in comparison. And we, by the way, in prayer, we bound that today, you know, in the spirit and said, no comparison in Jesus' name. But let's all get on with the job of doing the word and everything else will fall into place. Our key role as New Testament priests is to fulfill our God-given ministry, our divine service. And of course, one in which we can expect the Lord to turn up in and be powerful in. Amen. Anyone know what that ministry is? Anyone want to just hazard a guess? What's our ministry? What's your ministry, Jen? Hesitation. I love the fact that everyone's got masks on because you know, it's all hidden, you know. <laughs> ministry of reconciliation. And I was going to say no one from the front row, but I didn't get that out. So uh, <laughs> ministry of reconciliation, okay? We have all got the same ministry. You know, we might have different little facets to that ministry, different things that we need to be going about and, and giving ourselves to, but the ministry of reconciliation belongs to every single one of us. Helping others to know that God was in Christ Jesus, not holding their sins against them, but through Jesus Christ on the cross, paid the penalty for their sin and in doing so, given them the gift of righteousness. And it's a gift. You can't work for it. Never be good enough for it. You have to receive it as a gift. Amen? That's why it's a gift. Hallelujah. I like it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we might as well go there since we're talking about it. It says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, us, underline it, us, highlight it, us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Amen. Just get rid of those fingers that we're pointing at one another because we're all in the same boat. You know, we're all in the same shape, you know. And if we were to pinpoint one key provision of God to fulfill his God-given ministry, can you think what it is? We've kind of touched in on it a little bit in prayer, but I'll just tell you, just in case you're not sure, it's access. 
access, access into his presence and his power. And we all have the right to go there through prayer. Amen? Access. The sequence is always prayer, presence, power. So pray until you recognize his presence. You know, I was uh, praying there this morning, as I mentioned, it wasn't the it wasn't the loud music so much that it sort of got me up, but I was there I was at 1.30 this morning and I found myself just in such a clarity, such a good place in God. And I just, just had just started to pray for a while there and, and found myself just in the presence of God. And I was just talking to him about Ukraine, just talking with the Lord about what was going on in Ukraine. It was a good fellowship, you know. And, um, and it was there when I started to get the, just the revelation that just pray for Ukraine, pray for the cities, amen. Pray for what's going on in each city. In other words, let's be detailed. Let's be strategic and watch the Lord give us the detail, things that we know we should be praying into. Get ready to hear his voice and know what he's saying. Seek his face through his grace and bring the power of heaven into our situations and situations around the world. Amen. Our heavenly father has given us access to fulfill his ministry. You know, access speaks of entry permission. You've got access, you know, you've got a key you can unlock and you can go in and you've got the alarm code, you can go in and, and all those things. But we can, as God's chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his own special people, enter God's presence freely. And why, you know, the question that we need to ask ourselves is why do we delay? Why do we hold back on that, you know? And sometimes because we're stuck not being able to look past our natural circumstances sometimes. I'm not really quite sure, but we all have reasons. And I know sometimes I grab myself by the ear and say, I've got to pray. You know, I've got to get into his presence. I've got to hear what God's saying at this time and in this season. And you know, there's no login. There's no password required. We can just go straight into our Heavenly Father's throne room of grace where Jesus is sat at the right hand of the Father. You know, when Jesus rose, uh, arose and, and, and gave the... Uh, the church, the, 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 um, the Great Commission, he was seen by 500 people rising up into the, into the heaven. You know, it's amazing. I find that amazing that 500 people were there watching as he was received up, you know, into heaven. The bodily, uh, uh, you know, ascension wasn't sort of like a vapor or some ghost or apparition. It was Jesus, his physical resurrected body going up into heaven. And 500 people saw that. And he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be uh, empowered, you know, uh, uh, empowered from on high or endured with power from on high, I think it says. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem without it was really the thing. You know what? Only 120 were there on the day. I asked myself that question. What happened to the other guys? You know, where'd they get to? Oh, well, I had, I had a shift. You know, I had to go... To, had to go to work. Had to go to breakfast, you know. I had a breakfast date. And there's all these kind of, you know, reasons that you can, you know, that you can assume. Where were they? Don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not matching this with church attendance, okay? So anyone that's listening out there and is out having breakfast this morning and, and uh, think, oh, I wasn't at church this morning, but I was at breakfast. <laughs> I'm not heaping condemnation at all. What I'm sort of saying is, how come... When, when Jesus, rising up into heaven, says, go and wait. And they only had 
50 days, oh, sorry, it was, I think it's more like 40 days, because about 10 days afterwards that he arose. 40 days, just one month, to just be praying. And yet on the day of Pentecost, there was only 120 of them there, gathered together, seeking God's face, waiting for that wonderful experience of the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and uh, coming into the church. And I wonder about that, you know. Because Jesus went in before us and made a sacrificial offering, giving us access into the Holy of Holies. You know, and that, you know, the, the sending of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit upon the church is a part of that. It's a part of that glory. And we want more of that. Amen? Who's, who says, I want more of that? Amen. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50 to 51, it says, And Jesus on the cross, Jesus on the cross cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51, and then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom and the earth quaked and rocks were split. At that exact moment when Jesus gave up his life in the temple where the holy place was separated from the holy of holies, probably two angels jumped on either side of that 30 foot high veil and ripped it down from the top to the bottom, signifying that the way into the Holy of Holies was now accessible. You know, that you didn't have to have a rope tied to your foot when you went in there once a year because if you made a mistake, you know, that was it and they'd have to drag you out on a rope because they couldn't go in because they weren't allowed to go in. It signified that the way in was open right at that very moment. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and ripped. He paid the price so we could have access, come into his presence. And what was true then remains true for us today. Consider the next passage. It's an invitation to draw near, not timidly or cowering, not with intrepidation. And I like it. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. It's good to just remind ourselves of some of these scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain of his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Great scriptures. I like these scriptures. They tell me we can come. You know, whatever you've had going on in your life, I tell you what, you want to deal with it so you can just come. You know, and we're going to talk about that. Verse um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 to 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Notice it doesn't say come timidly. It says come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I tell you, we're in times of need, you know. Many people are struggling in need. 
So important to pray knowing where prayer takes us. I'll say that again. It's so important to pray knowing where prayer takes us. We need to know prayer takes us right into the throne room of God. When we start out to pray, I tell you, if I'm in a prayer meeting and I can start that prayer meeting, I'm talking about going up into the high room, up into our high place, up into the very throne room of God's grace because that's where I believe our prayers are going. And we may be physically here, but together we are seated together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, the Bible says. You know, heavenly places. Together with Christ Jesus, the Bible says. I've got another one there. I just want to look at it. It's out of the Christian, uh, um, oh, the CEV, the Contemporary English Version. It says, so whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. And there we'll be treated with undeserved grace and we'll find help. You know, um, I remember a kid uh, that was in our neighbourhood when we were growing up and we lived in a few neighbourhoods after my mother died and, uh, and of course, passed away and we sort of moved around a little bit after mum died. But we were living in Dinella at the time and I remember this kid, uh, got to know him through school, but he kind of lived around the corner and, and uh, he was a funny kid because he didn't have the same kind of upbringing as me. And so uh, when he came over, he just walked through the door. He didn't knock on the door. And we, our whole family at the time thought that was really weird. Did, did he knock? You know, it's like, you, you know, and you didn't want to sort of confront him at the door and say, get outside and knock, you, you, you know, impolite person, you. But he didn't knock. He'd just walk in. I just come in and, you know, start talking. And next thing you know, he goes to the fridge. Goes to the fridge. He was acting like he belonged, you know. And some of us maybe, you know, need to realise that that's, that might sound a little weird, but to a certain extent, we need to be those people that feel like we belong in the throne room of grace, you know. That we don't have to come apologising, you know, because we're kids, we're sons and daughters of the living God, and he's our heavenly father, and we can come. Now, I don't know about going to the fridge and, and all of that when you, when, you, when you get in there and, you know, kicking your shoes off and just putting your feet up on the, on the furniture or anything like that. I wouldn't recommend it. But I, I think you get my point. Sometimes we can, we can put on a whole level of, uh, I guess you could say, precursors or, 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 or ways that we need to approach uh, God when we're praying. We'll talk a little bit about that, but the work of Jesus upon the cross, gives us access. And we don't need to come timidly or from a sense of shame or guilt or inferiority. We can come boldly, the Bible says. There's no more sacrifice for sin possible. I'll say that again. There's no more sacrifice for sin that's possible. If you want to offer something as you come into his presence... Come with a sacrifice of praise. And the Bible talks about that. Therefore, by him, let us continually, it says, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. If you want to come into the, the throne room of grace anyway, come going, praise you, Lord. I just praise you. I thank you, Lord. 
I thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. I thank you, Lord, for all of your goodness and your mercy in my life. I thank you, Lord, for, you know, for the gift of righteousness. I didn't deserve it, but you gave it to me anyway. Thank you, Lord. You know, I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't have to come groveling. You know. And I want to just look at a scripture there in 1 John 5 as well. John, 1 John 5, 13 to, to, to 15, it says, These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that we may know that you have, sorry, that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay, you're not down here earning brownie points toward it. It says you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God and that this is the confidence that we have in him. Just say, just say that. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. There's a confidence that we can come and have when we come into the presence of God. There's a confidence that we can, that we can utilize biblically when we pray. This is the confidence we have. And it's not because of how good we've been. It's because of what he did. This is the confidence we have in him, in Christ Jesus. Here's a question, and I want to finish on a couple of thoughts in this regard. What if we have sinned? And I don't know about you, I've probably made two mistakes this year already, I think. So, you know, I'm the pastor, you know, so I, I can't imagine how well you're going, you know. So, no, no. We all make mistakes, don't we? You know, we all sometimes miss it, miss the mark. And of course, surely, here's the question, we cannot go to the throne room of grace with confidence when we're sort of struggling with a sin, a prevailing sin, a little stronghold of the enemy that's maybe snuck in and that we can't sort of seem to break free of. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Get, get really quiet when you start talking about sin you know, in church. And, and we, we say here that it, it must be understood that everybody, and I, you know, I, could, I tell you, I could pinpoint everybody's sin in this church right now. Really could. Not, not, maybe not all of them, but the main one. And here it is, okay. The sin that you struggle with the most is the one that you love the most. Thanks, John. He heard that one before. It's true. If you want to break free of sin, you know what the first thing you should do is? You should hate it, all right? Hate it. Hate the sin. And when you do, you watch what happens. When you start to hate it, you won't go there. The one that you struggle with the most is the one that you love the most. So just shift that. Move that around and say, no, no, uh, I'm not going to love that anymore. I'm struggling with that area and I can't seem to get free of that area. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start hating it. Amen. It's just such, such a, it, it, maybe it's a part of your repentance process. And call it that, you know, because repentance is just going in the other direction. You know, we're going in this way, we're going this way, and we're sort of, you know, maybe not so happy going that way, but we're still going that way. Repentance says, I'm not going that way anymore. And it's a turn, a 180 degree turn. And as you're making the turn, as you're making the shift, say, I'm going to hate that sin. 
That one that I love the most, I'm going to hate it. And you watch. You watch what happens. This is where many Christians find themselves, is this in the area of struggling with sin, prevailing sin, things, areas in their lives where they can't seem to get free of it. And the worst part is that they get stuck in condemnation. All right? Stuck in condemnation. And are limited in their prayer life because of it. Because they feel that they can't come boldly. See what I mean? This is why we want to break this off. This is in this series we're just stepping into today. We want to get rid of hindrances to prayer. We want to get those, those areas just dealt with. And sin is one of them. People cannot understand how they can come boldly into God's presence with sin in their life. Well, first thing you need to do is get rid of it. I love a story that I heard um, many, many years ago now. I think it was on a tape or something. But I, I, heard, um, I heard this preacher say that um, world-renowned preacher and, you know, up there and with all the, um, all the famous uh, preachers in the world. And he, he said that what, what was, he was out the back ready to go into a meeting. And, um, and of course, what had happened was uh, previously a day or so earlier, he had sinned. He didn't talk about the sin or, or anything, but he knew he'd sinned and he'd done the wrong thing. And, and, uh, and he'd, at that time, he'd confessed it to the Lord spoke to the Lord about it and said, Lord, I'm sorry, and confessed it and, and uh, received forgiveness, and, you know, as, as he knew he should. He, he dealt with it. And what happened? He was there and he was sort of about to get on and he was reminded about this. And uh, he just felt, you know, really bad. And he started to talk to the Lord about it. He said, you know that, Lord, you know that sin a couple of days ago. And he heard the voice of the Lord say, What sin? Heard the, heard the Lord say to him, what sin? He says, you know that sin. He says, no. You see, because he'd prayed and he'd dealt with it, repented of it, and it was no longer a thing with God. The Lord was saying, what, what sin? And we need to be able to get to that place very quickly. Here's a question as we look at the scriptures like Psalm 103. It says, look at what it says. For as the heavens are high, Psalm 103, verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There's the provision. It's a removal. Amen? It's a removal. Here's, here's the question, though. Is there a reset moment? You know, where every day our sins and our transgressions just kind of just, you know, just get an automatic, uh, uh, you know, renewal, you know, just washed free. You know, is there that? You know, is, is there some way that they, they just get wiped and we start new? And the Bible does say that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. But there's no automatic reset. And, of course, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we need to behave like it so we understand those things. But our need is to acknowledge our sinful act. That remains. Our sinful acts need to be acknowledged and it's based on what we know to be sin and feel in our heart and are condemned by. All right? You know it in your spirit. 
you know, that, that sense of grieving that can occur in your spirit. You need to, need to be aware of it. You grow sensitive to those moments when you feel grieved in your spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I expect everybody's hands to go up, actually. So, you know, when you, when you just know that you've missed it and that you need to talk to the Lord about it and there's just that sense of grieving that you need to work through. You can grow sensitive to those moments as well, so it's almost immediate. You know, I know sometimes I can be having a conversation and I feel my spirit go, ugh. Do you know what I'm talking about? You sort of either got into a, 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 you know, a discussion with someone and, and maybe you expressed an attitude that was just off or wrong or a wrong word spoken and God deals with you about it. See, that's, that's why he's living on the inside of us, so that we can have those witnesses. Amen? I like 1 John 1, 8, 9, and I, I'm sure we've all used it before, but it has its place in this day and age. It says there in verse uh, uh, 1, uh, sorry, chapter 1 and verse 8 to 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Look what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. You know, what we're not saying today when we talk about the gift of righteousness and being in right standing with God is, is that, that we're not, you know, sinless perfection. You know, we still make mistakes. We still have areas where we need to go to God and ask him to forgive us and, and just wash us afresh. And, you know, and we can do that. We can do that at a moment's notice. Just you know, turn aside and say, Lord, I'm sorry I said that. Lord, I'm sorry I felt that. I'm sorry I had that attitude. I'm sorry I, I did that, Lord. Forgive me. Wash me. According to your word, Lord God, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, uh, you know, as it says there, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, I, I really believe that there's a place without becoming overly sin conscious where you're always you know every little every little area i really believe it's where you feel greed in your spirit you know where you feel that sense of condemnation where you need to go to the lord and deal with it because i tell you what if you don't what happens is the enemy tries to set up a stronghold in that area all right the enemy sets up a stronghold in that area and you know what that gives him ground it gives him access it's like a little panel with buttons on he can come along and push your buttons you know and so we need to get free of uh, those little areas where we miss it because the enemy will come looking there every time and he comes with condemnation he comes to make you feel like you're not worth it that you're not worthy that what's the use of this Christian life and yet Jesus has made it available for us a life you know that we can walk in and be free from sin and walk in his righteousness. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And, and uh, you know, this morning, I don't know, really know uh, uh, that the Lord wants to go this way. But look, if you're, if you're here this morning and you just, we're going to sing this song. And I don't encourage you to, I'm not going to encourage you to come out during the song. And I encourage you to come out after the song and after we dismiss. But if you're struggling this morning with an area of sin in your life. I tell you, the place where you can deal with it is in the altar. You know, but don't wait for Sunday to do it. 
Be a person who's quick to go to God. Be a person who's quick to go to the Father and, uh, and clear out those little areas where, you know, the enemy's starting to get ground and a stronghold in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks, team.